I think that the largest purchase I had made before 345K was like maybe seven grand. So pretty big jump going from, you know, $7,000 maybe on a car to $345,000 on a home. And so even though I was only putting, you know, 10 to 12K down, the, the risk factor and, and the thought of taking on that much debt in one transaction was, was terrifying. The end goal is net cash flow, financial freedom. So if you think about that, the door count is almost irrelevant. We may only end with 30, 50 properties, but our net cash flow might be two, three, four million dollars a year because we built the portfolio to our end goal of that financial freedom target. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. Let's go. Another episode of Blue, blue Gems Podcast with none other, one of the co-founders of Blue Gems, Aiden Co-founder. Grohl. Let's go. Wow, man. This is, I literally love this format. You know, no disrespect to having guests on. They're awesome, but the disrespect is real. It's cool to just like dive in with you. Um, but this this uh, interview is all about you, man. We want to know. Um, I know your story, but for the people that don't know your story, the mic is all yours. Yeah. So I guess I can start my story kind of around the uh, the 2018 time frame. So at the time, I was in corporate America as a corporate accountant. And essentially, I ended up Googling on my laptop how to retire early. And I came across this website called Bigger Pockets, right? And Bigger Pockets, they had this, this blog post around this concept called house hacking. And I was like, how is no one talking about the fact that you could essentially buy a primary residence and then either rent out the rooms or maybe get a multifamily? So I was infatuated with this whole concept of essentially buying a, a duplex and then renting one side and then living in the other. And so I took no action for the first year. That was 2018. And I realized that I needed to make more money, right? So if I was going to ever buy a rental property, I couldn't live off of just 50, 60K at the time. Basically, I was you know, on the typical you know, American dream path where all the money that came in, I would either spend on weekend activities and, you know, basically live paycheck to paycheck. So what I did was I started a wedding production company. So it was the fastest way that I can essentially double my income. So I was able to make, you know, a couple thousand dollars on the, on the weekends filming weddings. I had a passion for videography and it seemed like the easiest way for me to make more money faster rather than go back to college and go the CPA route, right? I was a corporate accountant, but that path just seemed longer for me to actually scale my income. And so that's exactly what I did, right? And then COVID comes, right? This, this black swan event. And all of a sudden, you know, weddings are shut down. Basically, any group gathering is shut down. So I had a ton more free time. Right. So I was working my corporate accountant job. I was basically doing 40, 45, 50 hours a week, you know, standard, a standard um, workload and had all this free time gained from the wedding shutting down. And so that was when I went back to that, you know, that article that I found in 2018, 2019, I was doing more and more research again, taking no action. And I decided that in March 2020, I was going to actually buy a rental property. So what I did, I don't recommend this to anyone, is I just went and find the, the closest agent 
that I, that I knew of at the time. So I went and found an agent that actually worked at my company at the time. He was also an accountant. So generally you don't want to find an agent who is part-time when you're trying to buy, especially your first property. I had no idea what I was doing. And so I go to him and I say, Hey, Jared, I'm looking for a duplex in these few zip codes. And my goal essentially is to have my mortgage paid for by the, the rental income of the other unit. Right. And so we looked at, I think two or three properties. We made a couple of offers. I got beat out by some, some cash buyers. So this was, uh, this was right around when things were getting pretty competitive. So this was before the COVID boom, you know, I would say June, 2020 was kind of where things really started to turn. So I got into the market at a weird time where people were still willing to hear out offers, you know, especially if they were conventional financing. So I, on, on our third offer, we, we had some interest. It was a buyer who was a flipper. He had renovated both units and he actually had one of the units on, on Airbnb. And then he was renting the other one to a long-term tenant. So I said, you know, I, I would love to make an offer. I have an FHA loan. Are you willing to accept those types of loan products? Not every seller is right. This is a considered in, in the marketplace, I guess, a weaker offer from the standpoint of having more contingencies. So we made the offer. I remember, you know, that night almost barely being able to sleep because I was just so nervous because my agent texts me and saying, you know, he accepted the offer. It was $345,000. I think that the largest purchase I had made before 345K was like maybe seven grand. So pretty big jump going from, you know, $7,000 maybe on a car to $345,000 on a home. And so even though I was only putting, you know, 10 to 12K down, the, the risk factor and, and the thought of taking on that much debt in one transaction was, was terrifying. But I ran the numbers, I went online, started to find, you know, calculators that I can figure out the, the gross rents and, and how much the net cash flow would be net cash flow would be. Coming from an accounting background, that part was was pretty natural to me. Didn't really have any issues, you know, figuring out if the deal made sense. And so basically the numbers were around $2,000 for the mortgage with a 3% interest rate at the time. That was the, the market rate. And the tenant next door was paying $1,500. That was the long-term rental rate. And so there was a spread of 500 and, and me being, you know, so infatuated with this whole house hacking, you know, opportunity that I learned about, I really wanted to get the entire mortgage covered. So I actually went and found, a. A person to rent a room in the unit that I was living so I was renting a room and then I had this long-term tenant and so the gross rents were 2200 and the mortgage was two grand so I was actually essentially getting paid to live now the room rental didn't last long because I realized that it just wasn't worth the $600 of income that I was getting having to you know, share that I had a, a girlfriend at the time still do. So it was three of us living there. You know, there was issues with cleaning dishes and taking out the trash. It was just a whole bunch of drama. So not worth the $600 by any means, but what it did was it gave me the proof of concept, right? So I now understood that real estate was the vehicle that I can use to get out of my, my W2 job. And so pretty quickly, I had a lot of, of income saved up, right? So no longer paying rent, I'm basically covering my entire mortgage. So I was paying around $1,800 in rent. That was completely saved through the, the new rental income on the mortgage. And so I started to be able to save capital pretty quickly. And so I was able to do my second deal 
around eight months after the first one, I bought another duplex with 20% down. So I put about 50K down for a, uh, a duplex, a, a um, two one on each side. And that was just a traditional conventional financing deal. And then all of a sudden I had, you know, the savings from my primary, I had additional income from this new rental property. And then I went on to find a new opportunity around a second house hack, right? Because after a year, you can move out and do it again. And that's when I came across this whole short-term rental concept, right? Because one of the things that I learned from those first two transactions, those first two deals, was that long-term rentals wouldn't produce enough cash flow for me to be able to retire anytime soon or you know exit my w-2 and so instead of making a hundred two hundred dollars in net cash flow on a long-term rental i was realizing that short-term rentals could produce you know a thousand two thousand maybe even three thousand dollars a month in net cash flow so way more attractive started to go down the rabbit hole and i came to the conclusion that my third deal was going to be a house hack where i can have you know, essentially an ADU in my backyard. So I found a deal on market. It was a two one in the main home. And then it had a separate detached concrete block ADU, which was completely gutted, needed a full renovation. And it was the perfect opportunity for me, you know, as a, you know, semi novice investor to not only learn about renovations and get that experience, but move into the short-term rental asset class. So that deal was, you know, a six, seven, eight month renovation. We had to do the permitting. It was basically a new construction project. But at the end of the day, for the second time in a row, I was able to get a property where the rental income was completely covering the mortgage. And then from there, I was addicted. Man, that, that was quite the intro for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about your background. You said that you, you have this accounting background and, you know, obviously underwriting and, you know, doing market analysis, those things are going to come really easy to you. But what are some other intangibles that you think, you know, has helped your real estate journey, you know, having this background? Yeah, I think coming from corporate America is actually an advantage, right? So in the beginning, I was always discouraged because I had this job where, you know, I would see these entrepreneurs have the, the time freedom to be able to do what they want. And what I've come to realize is that if you come from a corporate background and you have a structured background, what you can do is actually take your skill set and then apply it into this new endeavor, this new business, right? So my corporate background has helped our company create systems, put in processes, because I was able to replicate what a fortune 15 company you know one of the biggest companies in the world was able to do so i copied some of their hiring processes you know some of the questions that they ask on an interview some of their practices around accounting finance i was able to see a lot of different components of the business and then bring it into a small business where you know i've now become a co-founder and and ceo gotcha amazing amazing and and um so how are you juggling both W2 and Blue Gems, or do you have any news for the listeners around that? Yeah, so I officially officially exited my W2 on February 21st, 2023. Amazing. So no longer in corporate America was able to get out within a five-year period from start to finish. So 
this this part of, of, of the journey is is really admirable for me because I, I know the story, right? So let's kind of dive deep into, you know, you setting that goal of, hey, I'm going to exit my W-2 in five years and keeping that discipline and following the, the guidelines of, you know, you know, getting from A to, to Z. So let's let's dive into that, because I know there's a lot of listeners that are stuck in their W-2 that are, you know, up this rat race and trying to get out. Let's talk about some of the hurdles that you had to go through. Yeah. So. If you think about it, the, the five-year period that JB is talking about is when I first essentially discovered that I wanted to leave corporate America, which was around 2018. It, it was the time that I mentioned where I Googled, you know, how to retire early from corporate America. And so at that point in time, I knew I wanted to exit, but I didn't really have an actionable plan. And real estate just seemed like the, the vehicle that I was going to do, but I didn't have any actionable steps to take to actually buy a property. And so that's why I pivoted to figuring out how to make more, more income, right? So my, my long-term thought process was if I can make more money, I can save more capital, I can invest in real estate, I can increase my income, start to transition my income from being active to passive, right? The only way to really exit a W-2 and, and truly reach the financial freedom that you're looking for is if you're not having to work for all of your money. If you're having to work for all your money, whether it be through a business or another endeavor, then you're not truly reaching the, the goal that, that you're looking for. So my five-year plan was really all about transitioning my income from active to more on the, the rental real estate and business income side. Incredible. So after you leave w2 like what were your goals and aspirations like because you now have to replace you know a, a steady paying job uh, a lot of you know security health insurance health insurance dental. benefits 401k all of these things like what's what's the next step for somebody that's leaving their w2 like how do you replace all all this free time that you have now yeah so that was the biggest thing for me right so I had actually replaced my accounting income through the wedding company, you know, in early to late 2021. I don't remember the exact time. Started to make around the same amount of money doing that. But the problem was that it wasn't something that I wanted to do full time, right? I didn't want to dedicate 40 hours a week to that company, right? So finding something that you want to do and wake up every day to be excited, I think is actually more important than the income part. Right, because anyone can go and find a new job or a new opportunity if you were to leave something that you didn't like. But the goal for me was not just replacing the income, but being excited about whatever I was going to be moving into. And so, real estate, specifically short-term rentals and co-founding Blue Gems, was one thing that I felt I can dedicate all my time to and transition smoothly from corporate America into you know that opportunity. Let's talk about co-founding Blue Gems because I've told my story and, you know, everyone's going to have their own perspective and, and uh, you know, how it impacted their lives or where they were during that period of time. So, like, your story on, on how Blue Gems transpired to what it is today. 
Yeah, so Blue Gems all started on one Instagram message. It's actually funny because I tell this to people all the time. I would say the the top five people in my life I've actually all met through Instagram or some other social media platform, right? So JB actually cold cold DM'd me. He said, "Hey, you know, any interest in meeting meeting up for coffee? You know, you have a pretty cool page, et cetera, et cetera." And and most of the time, I actually would ignore those messages, right? Because I get you know a lot of cold DMs. At the time, I was more focused around content and photography. So you have a lot of people who are reaching out to collaborate on, you know, a photo job or, you know, create content together. So I had actually stopped being open to those types of meetings, but this this particular message I remember seeing when I was uh, you know, still at the W2 obviously, and I got the notification on my phone, opened it right away. You seemed like you had a charismatic way to approach your your following and it seemed like people really liked being around you and for me I'm always looking at you know if I were to get in a relationship with someone whether it be business or just a general friendship are they exactly like me or do we have a lot of differences right I actually look for that because I don't want to only be friends with other accountants and then people who have the same skill set or you know are very similar to myself so it seemed like we had, you know, just similar, similar values in terms of just how people were engaging on your page, but we seemed like we, we actually were not very much alike in terms of our, our personality types. So that part alone was interesting to me. I love that. Um, so let's talk about what you actually do in Blue Gems, um, because I, I think we all, you know, all founders wear different hats. And like you said, we have different personalities and skill sets. What is your general role um, and separate question, what do you enjoy doing the most in the business? Yeah, so the way that I describe it, putting it you know, as simply as possible, my job is... We are thrilled to announce Blue Gems Management. After building out 24 short-term rental properties of our own, we're now helping other investors buy their time back. With over 300 five-star reviews, we really understand the importance of guest experience. If you're interested in making short-term rentals passive, click the link in the show notes below and someone from our team will contact you soon. Now back to the show. So the way that I describe it, putting it you know as simply as possible, my job is to make sure that the company is efficient as possible and making as much money as possible. Right, so essentially two objectives, right? Making more money and just driving efficiency. Driving efficiency meaning, is there something that we can implement, whether it be a system, a person, a procedure, to make our lives easier and just overall more enjoyable. And so going back to the, the point around, you know, taking some of my corporate background, I think that's where I've been able to excel when it when it comes to, you know, quote unquote, being the integrator in the company. And then in terms of what I enjoy doing the most, it has to be around underwriting deals. You know, we're always getting distracted about a new opportunity, a new sub two deal, a new creative deal that doesn't fit our buy box. And I think it's just because we really like the chase, right? I like looking at new opportunities. In fact, sometimes I would say we go as far to ignore opportunities in our own portfolio to increase income and go look for that new shiny object, that new seller finance deal, that new sub two deal, even though we can make more money by just improving our current portfolio. 
Love that. And then um, I want to shift gears just a little bit and, and talk about um, one of your personality traits that, that I think is is almost a double-edged sword, respectfully, right? Um, you are a workaholic. You can really put your head down and get a lot of stuff done. But sometimes you don't give yourself a break to go travel or get away or just let loose. I want to hear your perspective because, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like you actually enjoy working. Like that is where you find a lot of excitement and joy. So let's talk about that work-life balance and, and where you are with that right now. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to the societal norms that, you know, someone could put on us, right? So the, the norm in our society is to have some sort of balance between work and, and personal and work and enjoyment, right? So the structure that was put in place is you work Monday through Friday and you have the weekends off. But no one, no one actually knows if that's right or wrong, right? That was just what was created and a lot of people just, you know, took that as, you know, what they should do with their life. So I don't like conforming to any societal pressure of I should be working Monday through Friday or working seven days a week or four days a week. I prefer to work when I feel energized and when I feel motivated and then to take time off when I'm feeling unproductive or, you know, I'm capped out. I would rather, you know, work 18 hours one day and then five hours the next than than have a standard eight hour schedule and that's what i didn't like about corporate right so moving into an opportunity where i could be my own boss and run my own company i have a lot more flexibility and i'm able to manage my calendar and just be more productive overall so i think for me i've never looked at it as a balance i've always just looked at it as trying to get as much freedom as possible so i can create my calendar and my week you know based on how i want it to be and then you know let's talk about like we know all of the 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 reasons someone would want to get into real estate what's your exact reason why why did you choose real estate i know we talked about cash flow but like is there a bigger goal at the end of the tunnel like you know what are you trying to build why are you working so hard let's uh let's talk about that we all we all have or we all know the, the famous quote that we actually don't know who said it, but real estate has produced the most millionaires out of anything else in the world. And same for me, that was like the, the biggest drawing. That's exactly appeal, my right? thought too. So, so it was like, well, if real estate is producing the most millionaires, why don't I get into real estate, right? If I want to be a millionaire and that's what I wanted to do. My, my overarching goal, and I tell this to people often, my number one goal was to have a, million dollar net worth by age 30 right so i'm approaching my 28th birthday here in a week or so and so the reason how, how i come to those numbers i think it's important not to just put a million dollar figure out but let's say i own around 10 million dollars of real estate that would be my goal by age 30 10 million dollar portfolio if i have a 90 percent ltv meaning i have you know 90 percent mortgage balance against the equity in those properties then I only have, you know, 10% equity and that would be a million dollar net worth, right? And that's a comfort level thing for me. So I feel comfortable that the market wouldn't go down more than 10% and I'm young enough where even if it did, I can recover over the long haul. And so in terms of a, in terms of a goal and why I got into real estate, it was simply because it can give me the financial freedom and the the passive income that I was looking for at a young age, as opposed to other avenues. Love that. 
And then, um, so out of everything that you're building right now, um, what is what is one of the biggest factors that you can attribute to your success in, in building all of this from the wedding company, Turo company, you've, you've had side hustles, you've excelled in school. Like what, what are some of the biggest factors to any of the success that you've had so far? Yeah, for me, it's all come it's all around discipline, right? So it's just getting up and doing the boring work consistently, you know, again and again, day after day, you know, I built, I built the wedding company by essentially not taking any days off from my day job and, and basically using all my vacation to shoot weddings and build rapport with, with clients and, and do the marketing and the branding. And so a lot of people wouldn't be willing to make the sacrifice of, you know, using their, their weekends and their weeknights to go and build another company on the side. And I've just been really good at doing what other people aren't willing to do. I was willing to buy a rental property instead of a primary residence, right? All my friends, they went out and they bought homes for personal use that were probably over their budget. Instead, I went and built a rental portfolio. All my friends spent their weekends going out, hanging out at the beach, doing whatever. I went and built another company to make more money. All of my friends essentially went back to school to increase their income and then Instead, I went and built multiple businesses. So I think overall, I was just willing to do what others weren't, and that comes down to discipline. So you you have 42 short-term rental properties right now. What's next? Like, what are you trying to scale to? Where are you trying to grow this business? Yeah, great question. So going forward, 2023 into 2024, we're actually looking to reposition our portfolio. So I'm trying to move away from door count. I think sounding and, 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 and saying 42 doors sounds cool in practice. But if you really think about the end goal, the end goal is net cash flow, financial freedom, being able to, to build a business that you can walk away from and, and have some time freedom. So if you think about that, the door count is almost irrelevant, right? If I told you, hey, you can have one door, but it produces $1 million of net cash flow a year, or a hundred doors that produces $1 million of net cash flow a year. Which one are you gonna pick? You're obviously gonna pick the one door. Absolutely. And so for, for our company, we're trying to take those 42 properties, optimize them to maximum profitability and reposition the ones that don't make sense, that don't hit our net cash flow goals. And we, we may only end with 30, 50 properties, but our net cash flow might be two, three, four million dollars a year because we built the portfolio to our end goal of that financial freedom target. Okay, so like one thing that I that I think that you do an excellent job at um, in in our business is is training our new hires. Um, the way that you format the training, um, you know, kind of glomming on the most important topics. Like, where did you develop this type of skill? Because that, that's a difficult skill, you know, leadership and, and training is, is something that um, you really have to cultivate and, and lean into. So where did uh, where'd that all start at? Yeah, that was one that didn't come natural for me, right? So I tell people, if you want to develop the skill, you have to get, you know, repetitions re- regardless of what it is. So for me, I had always accepted any opportunity to move into a leadership role. Right. So when I was a kid, it would be captain of the soccer team, 
in college, it became, you know, captain of the track team and becoming a resident assistant, an RA, you know, joining clubs, becoming vice president or president, you know, leading group projects. I was always the person that people joke around that does all the work and then everyone else kind of, you know, gets, gets the passing grade. But the, the thought process for me doing that, I, I didn't really care if someone was benefiting off of my work or my production because I knew long-term I'm going to come out ahead, right? If someone else is benefiting from my contributions to a project, I know that I'm the one leading and gaining those skills to long-term be able to run a company and lead others, right? And so for me, it was just always accepting the opportunity to, to grow. And from the, the training side, I think a lot of people overthink it, right? So the number one the number one thing that we hear about when we're hiring a new candidate about what they didn't like about their old company was just not being heard, right? Just bad communication. And that can come through a lack of feedback, right? Not having one-on-ones, weekly meetings, monthly touch points, or just not having good communication overall, right? Just a gap between the supervisor and the, the, the direct report. And so in our company, we've made it a point to focus on communication above all else even if we drop the ball on our system or our process and we are not making progress from that side of things at least we will always at a minimum have good communication love it and then um what if short-term rentals are just completely banned and outlawed forever automatically with a snap of a finger what asset class would you pivot to? Multifamily, for sure. Multifamily because I wouldn't want to go backwards, right? So if you think about short-term rentals, I talk a lot about cash flow. If we're already making considerable cash flow on a short-term rental, I don't want to now go into long-term rentals. Now, the only way I would do that is if we're talking about scale. And scale would come through essentially apartment buildings, right? So one to four units, we're talking about residential real estate. I would want to get into commercial five units or more and start syndicating deals, raising capital to do bigger deals with other investors that we have through our, you know, Blue Gems network. Because even though they're interested in short-term rentals now, people graduate, people evolve. And I think we'll have opportunities to do bigger deals down the road. And let's uh let's rewind all the way to when you first started in real estate is there anything you asked me this question so i thought it was, it was a cool one to ask you is there anything that you wish that you would have changed or that you would change yeah i would have done bigger deals faster and i would have raised private capital earlier so one of the things that attracted me to partnering with you was your ability to go from zero to 12 short-term rentals in in basically six months right that was essentially unheard of for me i was very much under the impression that i could only scale with my own capital right so that first deal was all of my own money from filming the weddings on the weekends my second deal actually put down around 50 to 60 grand in in one 250k deal <laughs> which wild. i would never do again yeah, we would never so, do that right so now. <laughs> so much capital tied into one deal because i was under the limiting belief that only Aiden Grohl could invest in his own deals, right? I didn't know that I can partner or raise capital, mainly because I thought I wasn't experienced enough. 
but you taught me that it doesn't really matter about the experience. It matters about your reputation and your execution. And so we've been able to scale dramatically because our reputation is above everything. And then we're able to execute on all the opportunities that, that people give us. And then, um, I think you, uh, I'm, I'm giving you all the praise props where props are due. I think you do a, a really good job at, at giving people advice, especially when they're first starting out. So if, uh, if you could drop one gem for, for people that are just getting into real estate, maybe they just started listening to bigger pockets, you know, remember, you know, go back to where we started, right? Um, what would you, uh, what would you leave with them? Yeah. So one thing that I would have done differently is I would have found or, or tried to, to pay for a mentor or someone that was already ahead of me when I was in corporate America, just starting out, you know, back in, in even 2020, I was very much against coaching programs and mentorship programs. I thought that I could learn it all myself and do it by myself. And I was able to figure it out, but I made so many mistakes by not just paying someone ahead of me or trying to partner with someone who was ahead of me. So I could have avoided all of those hurdles had I just not been stubborn and been willing to give up a piece of the pie to learn and grow. If I were to move into another asset class or go down a different avenue in real estate, that's exactly what my approach would be. I would just partner with someone who's already ahead of me, who's the expert in that niche. And then I would bring my skill set to the table. So if they're good at raising capital, I would say, hey, I can come in as an operator. You can raise the money, and that's how we're going to buy this 100-unit apartment building. Love that. Love that. Um, let's uh, let's get to know you, Aiden, outside of real estate. So we know that you're a corporate accountant. You have this very, you know, uh, sophisticated and organized uh, aura about you. Um, but what do you like to do in your free time? Do you, you know, what do you do for enjoyment? Yeah, it's funny because a lot of my enjoyment free time is spent, you know, listening to podcasts or doing a lot of education. I love working out. I think my perfect day starts with a workout in every scenario, but I love the most, I would say, traveling. So back in 2017, my senior year of college, I went on a life-changing trip. I was in Europe for about 40 days, and that taught me that, you know, a lot of things in life that we we view to be important just really aren't that important. You know, I was able to live in in cheap hostels and me and my friend were able to go to France and Germany and Belgium, Luxembourg, Spain, all in a five-week period. And I've always thought about that trip and, and wanted my life to have a lot of travel if I ever were to reach my financial goals. And so, you know, part of getting into real estate was allowing me the the freedom to go on those trips and experience life through through a different lens than than most are able to and then um as we start to wrap up what do you hope that people end up remembering you by i really hope people just remember simply how i treated them and i think that is overall what what people remember the most and i always i always remember that in anything that i do whether it's business real estate even when i was an employee right my reputation is so important to me so at the end of the day 
you know, you can make all the money in the world, you can have all the success, but how you treat people has always been at the, at the forefront, at least for me. And so if people can remember me for anything, it would just be that I was caring and I was genuinely interested in, in what they wanted to do with their life and, and their success. And if you could leave one last gem, the blue gem, it could be about real estate. It could be about short-term rentals. It could be about corporate America, or it could be about life in general. What would you want to leave the listeners? Yeah, I would leave. And it's funny because we ask this question to every single person on our podcast and I love hearing the answers, but for me, it would simply be the fact that you never want to limit your abilities. You can do pretty much anything that you believe you can do. And I thought that I could not. And so that's why I say it. Listening to, you know, 70 plus episodes on our show about people who have done all these crazy things. What I've come to learn is that a lot of them have no idea what they're actually doing. And so instead of trying to figure out every single thing before you get started, just start, figure it out along the way, and you will be surprised what you can accomplish. You are no different than myself, JB, an investor who has 100 units. You can get there as long as you follow the process, follow the steps, stay disciplined, and believe that you can do it. If you limit yourself to your own internal controls, you're never going to be able to get there. So I think it starts with with the mindset and and believing that you know with the proper team the proper help the proper resources you can do the same thing that that all of us are doing yeah i mean i think that's a good point because like you know we started this podcast not to pretend that we're gurus or nope. coaches or experts we will never claim that right? we've only been in real estate for two and a half three years total right how can you be an expert at anything with with short such short period of time um, but what we are trying to do is we're trying to share a lot of the mistakes that we've made, the, the, uh, the, the lack of experience in, in challenges that we've had to overcome and how we have overcome them, you know? Um, so just sharing our journey, we're not experts, we're not coaches, we're not, you know, we're not claiming to be any of that. Um, but we do want to share a lot of our mistakes um, and other people's mistakes in their journey and how they've been able to, you know, excel and succeed. And like to Aiden's point, right? We're, we're all human. We have the same amount of days in uh, our same, same amount of hours in the day. And, um, you know, we can accomplish a bunch even whenever we don't think it's possible. So I, I love, I love that answer for sure. Dude, what a, what an episode. What an episode. The yeah. Blue Gems podcast. <laughs> no, this was, this was awesome, man. I hope that, uh, Everyone got to know a little bit more about Aiden. He's a terrific human being. Um, he really does lead by example and, and treat people the right way. Um, but he has the skills uh, and the work ethic to, to kind of back it up as well. So appreciate this episode, brother. Appreciate you. Good stuff.